0: This is Michael and let you know we had some technical difficulties with our live stream this week, and so there was no audio recorded for uh, Pastor Ben's sermon this weekend, Um, but one of the cool things about what we're doing with the pulpit swamp is that uh, if one congregation had technical difficulties and another one didn't, uh, the message was uh, still preached the same, and so what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to uh, share with you the message that I preached in Lakeland uh, on this feed, And I don't, again, don't have a record of of what Ben shared, but this is the message that I preached on the same text, um, but in Lakeland. So I hope that it's encouraging and challenging to you as well. So thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Let's let's just pause together real briefly and and pray. Um, Gloria... In excelsis Deo, Lord, on our lips today are words of a foreign tongue, but let the meaning not be far from us. Glory to God in the highest. As we come to you together this morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help our hearts to put glory in the right place. It's in your name we ask it, amen. Well, good morning, church. And welcome to our neighbors. I'm glad to be together with you. Um, there are... Uh, it, it is difficult sometimes to communicate that Neighborhood Church is um, a little bit of a network of congregations. Um, and the, the difficulty is... It's hard to go see the other ones. Um, I live in Ocala. It's a two-hour drive here. The other one's in Sebring, um, and that's a three-hour drive from Ocala. So we're kind of spread across the state. And so um, rather than you uh, all trying to make plans and arrange things, we figured we'd make it easy for you, and we'll just rotate pastors every now and then. So Um, I'm glad to be together with you. Pastor Oren is in Sebring, and Pastor Ben is in Ocala. And it really is just a beautiful thing to be able to share share some teaching. Um, It's great to have two other guys as we're working through sermons who I know are preaching on the same text. So if I get to a spot where I'm stuck, um, or really, just not sure how to communicate. I've got two other folks that are in the trench with me, um, and it's really great. Like we are a neighborhood church. We're shoulder to shoulder, working together, trying to um, love Jesus well, and invite our neighbors to do the same. So um, I'm really thankful for that. We've been in a series together uh, in Ocala and here called "In Secret." And um, this is a time of year where there's a lot of external pressures. I don't know if you have felt that at all. Um, We did Thanksgiving. Um, We are making preparations for Christmas. There's a Christmas event tonight. I don't know if you feel like me. I feel like my calendar has whiplash. Every time I turn around, there's a thing I'm supposed to be at that I didn't know I was supposed to be at until like right before I was supposed to be there. And now not only do I have to be there, I have to be happy to be here. And I have to be kind to people that I don't really remember very well. Uh, that's taxing, um, especially since I discovered this is a room of introverts. You guys don't like yelling for joy. So, um, as as we go through that season, as we feel those pressures, those external pressures, there's there's a passage that we've tried to, or that we have been visiting together, that um, reminds us that we have a soul. That there's something inside of us in secret that Jesus tells us we do well to pay some attention to and to take care of. That we not be so busy making sure we have the perfect gift or that everything is wrapped crisply at 90 and 45 degree angles and that all of our bows are stuck and adhered perfectly so that there's no sticky on the outside and make sure that the kids behave properly because there's an order to these kinds of things and you can't just rip open the presents whenever you want. We have to get pictures and everything has to be good. Let's remember we have a soul. And so we have uh, been exploring together um, this, this, this passage that Jesus draws out um, a propensity in us that I think that we forget we have. We have a propensity to invert affection, to invert affection. I'll explain uh, what I mean by that, um, but I'd like to, uh, to read the passage together. Um, as we do that, though, uh, it's our habit at Neighborhood Church in Ocala to pray together the disciples' prayer. I know uh, you guys made a practice of it last week. I don't know if this is working. It says it's on. Here we go. Maybe? Did I go too far? Yeah, that's wrong. We've made a, a habit of um, praying together the disciples' prayer. I know you guys uh, practiced that last week, so I'd invite you to pray together with me. If you'd like to pray out loud, uh, the words are on the screen. I know I don't pray it in the King James. I'm sorry, but this will be helpful to you. Um, and if you are not comfortable doing that, introvert, I get it, um, then you would would you at least bow your heart together with me and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? I figured it out. I was pushing the wrong button. So, Matthew chapter 6, if you navigate there. And uh, if this is your first time with Neighborhood Church, you're a guest, um, you're coming in at the end of a series, that can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and actually read all of the verses that we've talked about in this series. going to give us a little bit of a, of a bow, a little bit of a ribbon to wrap these verses up together in that I think will help us understand the, the specific passage that we're looking at together this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, um, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And I'm going to read down all the way to verse 18. Um, it's 20 verses, but I know you guys can hang. Jesus says, "Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven." Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast... Now, as I'm reading all of those verses together I'm, I'm I'm hoping, or I suspect that you guys have seen where the title of this series came from. There's a a phrase that repeats over and over, and that is in secret. Nailed it. I knew you guys were sharp. Um, so that's that's where we got this. Obviously, Jesus is, is trying to highlight what what the heart of our faith is supposed to be, what's supposed to be happening within our souls as we connect with God. And he's got a warning, and the warning repeats over and over. Did you hear it as I read that together? It's, it's, it kind of felt like we'd said all this once, twice, three times before. Did anybody else feel that way? Yeah, Ethan's already asleep, so I know he felt that way. So I don't know, are you guys able... Uh, you might need your bifocals to read this. I do. I can't read it on the back. But So what I've done here is I've, I've, I've taken apart um, kind of three sections of this. I've got verses 2 through 4, and then 5 through 6, and then 16 through 18. Um, and they basic, like, they're basically parallel. He's basically saying the same thing over and over again, but using different examples. He says, when you give to the needy, when you pray, and when you fast, don't be like hypocrites and sound no trumpet and and they love to stand in the synagogues and they and they love to be seen in the streets and they disfigure their faces that they may be praised by others and they may seen by others and that their fasting may be seen by others like that's the hypocrite what's the what's the picture um, of, of somebody who's a hypocrite do you remember They've got a mask on. A hypocrite is somebody who wears a mask. So don't be like somebody who wears a mask. Instead, be authentic. The people who have the mask so that other people think they're great, uh, they already have their reward. They've got somebody who said something nice about them one time. And we all know, like, how valuable that is because you know how quickly we change our opinions of people, right? So, but when you give to the needy or when you pray or when you fast, do it in secret. Because in secret, God is there. We've got, uh, that means, so we've got those verses that are all kind of parallel, which there's two components that don't really fit into this category. The first is verse one, and I think verse one here is a blanket statement, and I think that means that everything else that follows is just giving explanation of this blanket statement. So Jesus says in verse one, beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's pretty simple. You know, we took a shower this morning. We put our our nice clothes on. We came to church. Like, we can get on board with not practicing our righteousness in front of other people. Like, we're on board. But Jesus knows that my heart is sneaky. I read a passage like that. I read a verse like that, and I'm thinking of all the ways. Well, I'm not doing it because I want them to see me. I'm really just doing it because I'm a really nice guy, and like, of course, nice guys do nice things. And so it's not about that. So that's when Jesus starts. He's like, "All right, I know, I know you're thinking that you got a handle on this. So let me tell you a couple of ways that you're going to err, And he gives us these three negative, uh, these three negative things of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Because I assume that you're going to be praying, and I assume that you're going to be fasting, and I assume that you're going to be generous towards those who are needy. But when you do that, beware of this attitude. And then he gives an explicit instruction on how then we have a conversation with God. We don't just say a bunch of words. We don't just uh, switch into a different language. We don't always pray in Latin, although we did this morning. Um, we, We pray to our Father who's in secret. And we pray, hallowed be your name. May you be the one who gets all the glory. Who does our faith draw attention to? We are in danger of practicing our faith for our own benefit and for our own glory. And our master tells us, hey, be careful. Your heart wants to go there and the way is death. Who does our faith draw attention to? See, Our big idea for this morning is that God's good gifts will go unrecognized if we grasp every gain of. This world, God's good gifts go unrecognized if we grasp every gain of this world. Look with me at verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, we're talking about fasting today, and actually, um, in the culture, like, it's actually a pretty uh, popular topic. Like, people talk about fasting all the time. We've got intermittent fasting and all kinds of health-wise fasting, and there's all different ways that you can lose weight. Like, I I actually, as as I Google searched for an image of fasting, like, all of them were, like, a tape measure. Fasting is associated with your weight. I don't know if you knew that, but, but that's where our culture is right now. But that's not where Jesus is. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about fasting as a dietary restriction. He's talking about fasting as a spiritual exercise. And I think, I think what he's doing is he's keying in on the heart of the thing that he's asked us to pray for. Give us this day our daily bread. The question is this. How can we, you and I, With full pantries and grocery stores that are overflowing, how can we honestly ask God to give me what I need for today? If you're hungry this morning, it's because you chose to be. Few and far between are the neighbors who don't have the food that they need. How can we honestly look at God and ask him from, from a genuine place to give me what I need for the day when... I'm pretty confident I can handle that. The Lord's blessing has brought us to a place where we could get along with Adam just fine. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 15 through 16 asks, what are the things that will never be satisfied? And I think I'm the thing on the list. When when are when are we satisfied? When is more enough? I just I just need a little more. I just need a little more. I just need a little more. My my, my 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 salary is just a little bit low. I just need a little bit more and then I'll be okay. Or I just need a little bit more dessert. Let me hear that pumpkin pie. Come on. I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more will be the death of us because we live in a society that has an unprecedented lack of need. We have air conditioning. Do you realize how revolutionary that is? That for all of human history, if it was hot outside, it was hot wherever you went. There was nothing you could do to escape it. Do you realize, I was so blessed. Such a blessing. Let me brag on Emily for a minute because I came out into the uh, into the auditorium or out into the the, the foyer and I kind of looked and they're kind of getting things set up and I'm like, oh, okay, they're not quite ready. and I like, walk back in and Emily like chasing me down. She says, "I saw you looking longingly for the coffee and I brought you a cup. Is this what you want? I said, Yeah, that'd be great." So thank you, Emily, for your hospitality. I know she's not here at the moment, but like, do you realize like we have coffee for free that you can drink as much as you want? I'm sure if they run out of the pot, they'll make another pot for you because this is just a hospitable church. Do you realize that for most of human history, coffee was a drink that only royalty could enjoy? Kings and queens are the only ones who had access to it. And I'm on like my third cup today. We have an unprecedented lack of needs and yet our satisfaction with life is at an all time low. Rates of suicide and depression and mental illness, all of these things are going up while all of our needs are going down. Loneliness is an epidemic. Our children are perhaps the most vulnerable, but I think we all are at risk. Perhaps, perhaps, these are some questions to consider. Perhaps we're not made to be self sufficient perhaps knowing that i'm not made to be self sufficient in my head is insufficient perhaps for me to actually know that i was not made to be self sufficient it's something that my body has to feel perhaps in limiting ourselves we find greater ability to and, and greater freedom to genuinely enjoy the things that we choose. So what will we lay aside in order to remember that this is not our home? Could be food for a season, um, for a meal, for a day. Could be your cell phone. What are the things that are keeping me apart from God? What will we lay aside in order to remember that this is not our home? And if it doesn't hurt, I don't know that we're not remembering it. It's something that our body needs to feel. God's good gifts go unrecognized if we grasp every gain of this world. But, but Mike, I can have that extra pie. I can have all three meals for the rest. Like, I can. I can. And yes, You can. But I think also we need fasting. Jesus assumes that people who are following him are going to fast. Jesus assumes that people who are following him are going to give generously to those who are needy. Jesus assumes that those who are following him and trusting him for their salvation are going to pray. I have to argue for it, but he assumed. He's a better preacher than me. But we are never, we are never more like Jesus than when we lay down something that we have every right to have. Philippians 2 says that Jesus, being God himself, did not consider all the rights and privileges and powers of God to something to be grasped and held onto, to grasp and cling to, but he laid these things aside and submitted himself to the will of the Father that he would die, not just a death, but a disgraceful death on a cross that was reserved for like the most despicable types of criminals. Like, that's our Savior. And we're never more like him than when we are laying down something that we have every right to hold on to. In fasting, we are willfully reminding ourselves that every morsel of goodness is from God. Jesus' brother James writes that every good gift comes from our Father in heaven in James chapter 1. So, I argue for fasting. I think maybe it's something to consider. Um, Jesus assumed it, and his warning, but his warning is a tendency for us to invert our affections, remember? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. And in verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others. For us to seek recognition from our fellow vagabonds on this earth, rather than the only affection that will ultimately be fulfilling for us. I tend to want the admiration of my neighbors or my friends or the people that I work with because it's a pretty quick turnaround, right? Like, I can see when I made my wife happy. Like, yeah. But sometimes when I've made a choice that's like honoring to God, it seems like, like he didn't even notice. Like, is he asleep like, didn't he just see how I did not, like, insist that, that, that my child leave the last bite of my favorite meal for me? Didn't he see how I'm sacrificing here? But to seek recognition from our fellow vagabonds is, is, is replacing, it's inverting, it's, it's, it's trying to grasp hold of the reflection of something in the water as opposed to the actual thing. We can't live in the reflection. We were not made for this earth. But God's good gifts go unrecognized if we grasp every gain of this world. We invert affections. We broadcast things. We broadcast things that are best kept to ourselves and the things that we ought to or and we hide things that we ought to proclaim boldly. The, the shepherds got good news, and they did not hide it. We receive regularly a reminder of the best news in the world. We just kind of keep it to ourselves. Okay, well, maybe you're a little bit like me. I told you, my heart's sneaky, okay? So I'm like, all right, here's the deal. I'm aware that there's a very fine line between humility and and humiliation. Do you get, do you get what I'm saying? Humility is when I choose that I'm going to be humble, right? Humiliation is when somebody else chooses that I'm going to be humble, right? You get, there's a fine line between the two, but it it makes all the world of difference about how I feel about it, right? So I'm looking at this and going, okay, well, if I fast, if I make myself suffer a little bit, then maybe God won't think that I need a season of suffering, because God, God cares about me, and so if I go ahead and do his work for him, and I, and I stop eating for this season just so that I can, I can focus in on him, then he probably won't think that, you know, I need to go through a difficult trial. I can just kind of bypass all of the hard work, because I was humble, not humiliated. Right? Okay, I'm the only sneaky one. Okay, that's okay. But I think that's, the, like, the math that I try to do with God, I, I try to figure out, okay, if I do this, if I sacrifice here, then maybe he'll give me blessing over there. And, and what I really want is this thing. And, and I get so fixated on the blessing of God that I, that I, that I, I miss the presence of God. No, God, God will not be manipulated. He doesn't listen to our prayers because we had the right words. Just because we prayed in Latin this morning doesn't mean God's paying more attention today. God will not be manipulated. But he asks us, he gives us an example for how to pray. Our, our model of prayer is not manipulative magic, but it's an expression of complete trust in the perfect Father and Master of creation. Just give me what I need for the day. And maybe it's not lunch. Jesus says elsewhere that all things done in secret will be brought to light. There <sighs> okay. And that could be comforting or that could be terrifying. <laughs> okay? Everything that that's ever that that we do Um, is going to be brought to light, whether it's things that we do or whether it's things that we know we should have done but neglected to do or even it's it's the motivations behind the things that we do that we probably don't even really understand very much. There's going to come a time where everything that's done in secret will be brought to light. So the scriptures talk about two judgments. The first judgment is for life and death. It says, did you trust Jesus to be your life? That's the first question. When we die and we, we're in the presence of God, the first question is going to ask, what did you, what'd you do with my son? Who do you say Jesus is? And what did your life say Jesus was to you? The first question. If you have not yet trusted Jesus to be your life, like that's the invitation. Like do that first. But God does something else, too. He has a second judgment where, where, for those of us who say, yes, I trusted Jesus for life. Or, Great, come on in. Uh, I want to I evaluate the quality of the life that you lived. And he puts every thought, he puts every motive, he puts every action through a fire and refines it. And all the stuff that was, was temporal and earthly, that stuff just gets burned up. And all the stuff that was eternal stays, refined like gold. So... My truck, my F-150, it's burned up. Now, if you drive a Dodge, you're used to that, but it's kind of unusual for me. (laughs) But the ministry I did with the truck, the ways that I blessed my neighbors, the gas money that I refused because I knew they didn't have it, that thing's gold. My house, gone. Gone. My garden's gone. The times I chose to love my children well, he sees in secret. The times I chose not to pick a fight, he sees in secret. And if he sees and he's a good God, then don't you think he's also going to reward him? Can't we trust him with that much? We'll come back and we'll revisit these verses, but the very next verses that that Jesus says in in verse 19, he says, do not, do not, do not lay up treasure, uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Neighborhood Church, what does our treasure say about where our heart is focused? In this season where all the pressure is for you to pay attention to the outward, what does our treasure say, Where does our affection say about where our heart is focused? And can I encourage you to turn your affections to Jesus? Maybe to lay aside a physical blessing for a small amount of time to be reminded in your body that he is all we need. Because God's good gifts go unrecognized if we grasp every gain of this world. Would you pray together with me? Almighty God, we are the creature. We're the craft. (laughs) And you're the master artisan, the maker of all things. And we come to you this morning knowing that we can't inform you of anything. You know better than we do even what our motives are. And there are truths in these scriptures that, and, and in your words to us that we cannot execute by ourselves. We need you. We need your spirit. We need your guidance. We need your conviction. We need your strength. So this morning we ask you, would you lead us in this week? with all of the ways that our calendar is full, will you remind us that you are present with us? Not just in our heads. Not just spiritually, but that you're born in the flesh. And you're able to sympathize with our weakness. We thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.